Let's pray and then let's um, let's get moving. Hold your Bibles up real high. I don't know why we do this, but we do. Um, I, I think it's just to show me. I think it's kind of like one of those things where you're just showing me if you brought a Bible or not. And some of you lie and pretend like what you're holding is a Bible, but it's not. <laughs> How many Bibles do we have in here? That's pretty good. People that are holding the Bible, it's not more spiritual than the other ones. But I will tell you this. I do like to read. I like this paper. I, I Googled the other day. I Googled the best pens to write on Bible paper, and there were, there were multiple articles about that. So apparently I'm not the only one that wants to write in their Bible with the right type of pen. I did figure it out, and I bought a pack. Anybody wondering what it is? I don't remember. You don't have to, you have to text me, and I'll send you a picture. They're sitting on my nightstand. Say this after me. Um, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Born of the Virgin Mary. Suffered under Pontius Pilate. Was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. God's holy church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. The resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. You know what I just remembered? I, I was going to do this at the end, but I would like to do this now. Um, to, tonight is a, uh, tonight's a sad night for a few of us, and um, I'm going to ask Gracie and Emma to come up here with me for just a second. This is an exciting night, but it is sad. So we'll, it'll be mixed feelings. Come here, come here Emma Lou. I was so happy when I got you to just a few years ago when y'all when y'all moved back and we understood it was transitionary, like we understood that it was a short amount of time, but the short amount of time went by so fast, didn't it? I mean, it was three and a half years and it flew by. And so, um, so the families, the family of Gracie and Emma are moving to Huntsville. So this is a this is what's the cool thing about it is my brother. Many of you know my brother is in Huntsville going to plant a church. He's going to start a church, which is kind of cool, and. Um, and uh, this family, Gracie, Emma, and their parents, um, are going to be a part of that and to, and to start the church, to plant the church with them. So that's really cool. I expect that when we go up there to visit soon, that these two will be extremely involved in ministry like they have been here, which is what happens in a, in a church plant. Everybody does everything, right? So, so that's what they're going to do. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for them, and here's what I want you to think about. How many of you have ever been to a new school before? Going to a new school is not the easiest thing in the world, is it? And uh, Gracie and Emma uh, have, have never lived in Huntsville, and I'm guessing you don't have any friends yet, right? Probably haven't met too many people. You've met a couple people yet? No, I'm right. So you had many by. So here's what we're going to pray. We're going to pray that they get settled easy. They're going in the middle of the year. We're going to pray that they meet some really great friends. Our friendships really matter to us, both in just, just life, but also in our spiritual walk, Right? Um, and so those are important. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to put my arms around you both, and I'm going to pray. And uh, I, I want all of you in here, if you will, let's just point a hand up here. And when we point our hand, what we're doing is we're just saying, I'm, I'm praying for you, and I'm thinking about you, and I'm encouraging you. So that's what we're going to do, okay? Jesus, I, I love Gracie and Emma, and I love their family. And I'm so grateful for the time that you gave me, and you gave Pastor Amber, and you gave our small group leaders to be with them. I'm grateful for... Um, the time that we've been given and we never know how long we get and I got I got and our church got a very good amount of time and we were blessed and we were able to bless them now we ask that you um, that you help them to get settled quickly that you love them deeply through friendships and relationships that they will begin to meet even in the next week God I pray favor over their lives and I also pray that you protect them God, the enemy tries to use transitions just like you do. And I pray that your plan is that they prosper and that they do well and that they uh, serve you and follow you with all of their heart. And so, Jesus, put relationships in their life where they can continue to do that. Amen. Love you all. So, um, so that's sad, right? Luke chapter 10. <clears throat> yeah, just is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, the truth is, for me and for Pastor Amber, and uh, even for your small group leaders as well, youth ministry is a, is a season, right? It's just, we only get you for a season. Because I don't know if you realize this, but you guys grow up. Like in church, like in adult ministry, we might get you for a season, but it's like it could be like 70 years, right? But we get you guys for about seven, and that's it. And, um, and so they fly by. But these seven years are so important. In fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about it tonight. These seven years are so important. They set the stage. They set the pattern, and they build a foundation in your life that you will carry for the rest of your life. And so the decisions that you make, I know you've heard this a, a, a hundred times from teachers and administrators and assembly people and all, all kinds of stuff. But the decisions you make actually matter. And it's, it's important that you get in relationships that um, help you to follow Christ. And so um, Luke chapter 10 and we are finishing up this series next month. I want to encourage you, you do want to be here next month. February is the love month where we will talk, Amber and myself, we'll talk about um, romantic relationships. Did I say something stupid? Okay. Somebody said yes. We don't know what you said, but it was stupid. All right. So Luke chapter 10, verse 30, it says, in reply, Jesus said, you know what? I don't know if I've got the same, um, do I say this? Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. I didn't remember if I told Bethany which version I was preaching out of. In reply, Jesus said, there was a man who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes and they beat him and they went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Uh, interesting little fact, this is a little funny that Jesus is talking about. The road's only about three feet wide. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, um, which, is a, which is also a priest, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, 
as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. This is, this is uh, about two months' wages. So, so for most of us, it's about $8,000. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, well, go and do likewise. Um, back in the 1970s, there was this huge study that was done um, at the... Princeton University. You guys have heard of Princeton, one of the Ivy League colleges. How many of you are going to Ivy League? Anybody going to Ivy League? Mary Catherine and Amber? Great. Oh, and Hope. I see you back there. Where are you going, Hope? Where are you going? You going to Harvard? Right on. Uh, so there was a study done at Princeton, and it was done in the, the Princeton has a, semi, is, has a seminary. A seminary is a Bible university, a Bible college. So they were in the seminary, and they decided that they were going to do this um, test with seminary students. These were men and women who had been prepared in the way of Jesus to both live the life of Christ, to pastor people to live the life of Christ, and to preach Scripture that would encourage people to live the life of Christ, right? These people had been in school. Uh, the uh, MDiv degree from um, Princeton University would have, would have taken about four years, so they'd already been in school for four years and gotten an undergraduate. Then they, had, they were in school for four years. So they'd been in school for like eight years to be preachers, to be pastors. They said, we're going to do what we're going to call, we're going to call it the Good Samaritan Test. And they went to each one of the good, they went to each one of the students and they took a pretty large group. And they said, what we're going to do is we're going to tell them that they have, y'all hear that buzz? Everybody's like, yeah, I don't know where, we've, we've been looking for it. We cannot find where it is. We think that it's somewhere up here, don't we, Coltrane? We think that it's somewhere in the ceiling. We can't find it. And I realize that it is, I, I, I realize that it is uh, wearisome, and I apologize. It's not. It's not the speaker system. It's not. So trust me. Um, so it will go off in a minute. In the meantime, it kind of reminds me of that, um, what was that dumb game we played last year where, where it's like, do you hear this or do you hear this? That, and someone would say a word, and some people heard one sound, and some people heard the other sound. What was that? Nani and what? Laurel and what? Yanny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laurel and Yanny. I don't remember what I heard, but I heard one of them. Um, it's kind of like that. It's like, do you hear it? If you'll just focus a little bit, if you'll just not think about it, if you'll just focus on what I'm saying, it'll, it'll kind of fade to the background a little bit. So, but we do hear it. It'll go off in a minute. And then it'll come back on in a minute, probably while I'm getting an, an altar call. The enemy will use it. All right. So, so anyway, the um, Princeton University, they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell each one of these seminary students that that they have been invited, they were selected and chosen to go give a radio address. Radio was really big in the 70s, by the way. So they're going to go, and they're supposed to get over there as quickly as they can and preach a sermon on the radio. And what we're going to do is we're going to tell one-third of them, think about this, we're going to tell one-third of them that the radio program has already started. Get over there as quick as you can because you're going on the minute you walk in the door. The second group we're going to tell, hey, Go, go straight there because as soon as you get there, they're going to start. But the third group, we're going to tell them, you've got all the time that you need. Get over there, and when you get there, we'll start the program. So there's three groups of people, right? They tell them, go there. Well, they hired an actor who dressed in raggedy clothes, who looked like he was homeless, and they told him to, pre to pretend like he was having a heart attack. 
and to see what happened. So this was the Good Samaritan test. And it came out and it was buzzed around the whole nation for a long time. So they went and they did it. And this is what the, this is what the results were. They're not going to surprise you, but these are the results. 63% of those who were told that they had extra time stopped. 63% of those who were told that they had extra time stopped and, and said, is there anything that I can do to help? 45% of those that had just enough time stopped, and only 10% of those who were told they didn't have any time stopped at all. There's a man dying on the side of the road. Pastors, men and women trained to be pastors, walk right by him like he doesn't even exist. What happens often for us as, um, as servers, Jesus has called us to serve, to, 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 um, to become like Jesus and to, and to do something that is different sometimes than what we would desire, but to do something that serves. Be involved in a ministry. Use your gifts. Serve. What happens often is as many of us miss opportunities for us to serve for the same reason. Oh, did y'all feel that? For the same reason that these guys did, they just, we just don't have enough time. We just, we just don't have the time. We just, we, you might hear me or Amber or one of your small group leaders, any of us stand up and say, hey, there's some opportunities to serve. And you go, and you go home and you go, I kind of want to do something. And, and you get home and you find out, your mom's like, you got way too much going on. You don't have time for that. You can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this and you can't do this because you're doing so many different things. How many of you have crazy schedules like you just wide open all of the time? So what happens is, is often we miss God's voice or we miss an opportunity to serve because we're just too busy. We've got too many things going on in our lives. One of the greatest things that keeps us from discovering our God-given gifts and then serving is the aimless priorities of our life. One of the biggest things that keeps us from missing the discovery of our God-given gifts and then being able to serve and use those to help others is the misprioritization of our life. There are, those of you that take notes, there are, good, there are many good things to do in life, but the question we have to ask ourselves is what, is the, what are the best things? There's lots of good things we can do. There's so, in fact, all, my guess is most of your lives are filled with good things to do. I, and I'm even including Fortnite in this. Like, like as dumb as Fortnite is, like it's still a good thing to do. There's nothing wrong with just chilling and having fun and doing something fun with your friends. There's nothing wrong with just chilling and doing something fun by yourself. The question is, is how long should I do this, right? Like is this the best thing that I should be doing? There are, so, we need, so what we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, what are the best things? We can do all kinds of extracurricular activities, we can read, we can watch and listen to art, we can spend time with friends, we can spend time with family, we can go to school, we can go to church. So, but what we have to ask ourselves is, what does it mean to live a life for Christ? How do I prioritize my time in order to live a life for Christ? If my schedule is so embodied with stuff that I don't even have the time to serve, then do I need to recalibrate my schedule? 
if my schedule is so, if it's got so much stuff going on, I've got this and this and this. I always get so, I've had teenagers for years and years. I've been doing youth ministry for over 20 years now. And I've had teenagers come to me many times and say to me, Pastor Jeremy, I'm not going to be able to come to church anymore on Wednesday nights because I got a job. And I say, well, that makes me sad. Why didn't you get a job? They said, well, I I got a car and I got to pay for gas. And I say, well, why did you get a car? I mean, you were doing fine without a car. And they said, well, I got a car so so that I could get to work. I go, oh, so you got a car so you could get to work so that you can work to pay for your car. Yeah. Okay. So you can't come to church anymore. Yeah. And what happens a lot of times is um, we misprioritize the things that matter in life. We just do. The things that we think are the most important sometimes just aren't. So the question is, is what is the most important? What do I do? What matters What matters in shaping me to be like Jesus? As a Christian, and you've heard me say this a lot, Christian has to actually mean something. The word has to mean something. It can't just be something we throw. We've thrown it out so much. And people who who don't live like Jesus have thrown it out. I'm a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. We live in the South. In the South, everybody, it seems like, says they're Christians. I get it. Not everybody does. But so many people say that they're Christians. Oh, yeah, I go to church. I'm a Christian. And so what happens is, is Christian doesn't really mean anything anymore. And so what I want to do is I want to challenge you. Let's make Christian, if I'm a Christian, let's make it mean something. It's got to mean something. It's got to actually, it's got to actually have a definition. And the definition of Christian is, I live like Jesus. I live my life to the best of my ability with God's help like Jesus. So you, if you're in this room right now, and you look at your life and you see a pattern of things that you consistently do that doesn't look like Jesus, then you are not a Christian. It's that simple. If you look at your life and you see a pattern of things that you do that do not look like Jesus, you're not a Christian. Will you go to heaven? Probably, maybe. I don't know. That's for Jesus. God works all that stuff out. Can you love God? Yeah, sure. But are you a Christian? No. Christian means I live my life like Jesus. Let me give you some for instances. How is your speech? How do you talk? Is your talk kind and uplifting and encouraging, or is it vile and gossipy and dishonest? Do you talk bad? Do you gossip? And are you dishonest? then you're not a Christian. Is your talk uplifting? Are you kind? And do you guard your words and not say things that are going to tear other people down? Then you could be a Christian. And it's that simple. Christians are those that live their life the way that Jesus would live his life, the way he did and would live his life. So what does your speech look like? What do your activities look like? Do you do the things that Jesus would do if he, if, he, if he were here today? Do you fill your schedule with a bunch of things that don't matter? Or do you serve? Jesus would serve. So ask yourself the question, do I serve others? If the answer is yes, then you're, then, and, you have, and you have chosen to follow Christ, then you're a Christian. If the answer is no, then you're not a Christian. And I, and I, and, and I don't want to... 
what happens too often is we get this idea that if I pray the prayer, then I'm a Christian. And I want to tell you something. The prayer is meaningless if it's not followed by a life that's lived like Jesus. The prayer means jack. Anybody can pray a prayer. Anybody. There was a, you guys ever heard of Billy Graham? Y'all heard of Billy Graham, haven't you? So Billy Graham used to do these massive crusades, humongous crusades. Tens of thousands of people would come to these crusades, and Billy Graham would give an altar call, and he would say, if you want to follow Jesus, come down to the front. And they would come down in the thousands. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people would come down and say, we want to follow Jesus. And so Billy Graham decided um, a little ways into this process, I'm going to begin to just kind of follow up and see what it's like, what, what happens with people after. And they found out that 92% of the people that came down to the front and prayed the prayer were not living like Jesus after a year later. 92%. Hey, anybody can pray the prayer. You guys have raised your hands with me and here's so many of you and prayed the prayer. And what the prayer is, ready for this? I want you to understand, the prayer is not salvation. The prayer is the beginning of your salvation. Everybody follow me? The prayer is not salvation. The prayer is the beginning. It's the doorway where you enter and you say, I want to live like Jesus. Christian has to mean something. And it does not mean I prayed the prayer. So tonight, I'm going to ask you, at some, in just a few minutes, in about 10 minutes, I'm going to ask you, some of you to pray the prayer. And I want, you to be, I want to be very clear with you what I'm saying. When I say, do you want to pray the prayer, what I'm saying is, do you want to begin your walk to follow Jesus? It's just the beginning. But if you pray the prayer and you don't, and you don't ever start walking, then the prayer didn't mean anything. Everybody following? So what happens too often is we have these moments in our life where we, are, where we, just, just, we just have too much going on. My brother Joel, I, man, I was always so encouraged by this story that he told me. My brother was, um, both of my, I, I played um, baseball when I was in high school, and I loved it. But I was one of those kind of players that had to work very hard to be average. I just had to work really hard. Um, there's some people, have you ever noticed that there are some people that are just so naturally gifted? You're just like, if God would just give me that ability and my work ethic, I would be like, I'd be in Major League Baseball. I had a friend of mine who was drafted by the Texas Rangers and he never did anything. He just was so naturally gifted. He was so good and he didn't do jack. I worked my tail off and was average. Well, both of my brothers, um, both of my brothers were um, baseball players too. Well, Joel was a freshman in high school and um, Joel had taken up the guitar. He started playing the guitar and uh, he was a left-hander, which by the way, um, when I was in high school, we put, I, I think we still do, but we put huge, we just put a really big emphasis on if you're a left-hander, every coach, every baseball coach wanted you to play baseball. It's just like a big deal. And so Joel was a left-hander and um, he was pretty good. He was a pretty good pitcher. And, um, but he started playing the guitar. And it was his freshman year. And, he, and one night he was praying. And um, he just said, he was praying one night. And he said, God, I really, I really want to do one or the other. And I just want to give all of my effort to one or the other. He said, basically, which one do you want me to do? And um, I think God basically didn't answer him. She's like, whatever. Sometimes God doesn't give us an answer. Sometimes just God says, well, do whatever. And Joel said, but you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to play worship. Like I wanted to play the guitar and I wanted to worship. And he just quit. 
baseball. And he started playing on the worship team. And he started getting really good. Like really, 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 really good. He started getting so good that just before he got married to Lindsay, <clears throat> you guys ever heard of the band DC Talk? So there was a little, little band back in the 90s called DC Talk. Probably the biggest Christian band of all time, if anybody's wondering. And uh, the, one of the members, they had already split up. One of the members, Michael Tate, y'all remember Michael Tate? Had started his own band. And Joel went and had a tryout with Michael Tate to play the guitar. And Michael Tate said to him, I really want you to come play in my band. And Joel was trying to decide in that moment. He said, he prayed, he said, God, God I, I, he, he had just finished Bible school. And he was trying to decide, do I want to go to Nashville and start traveling and, and become a rock star? Or do I want to go into ministry? And um, he started praying about it. And God, he asked God, and God didn't say anything again. And, God, and Joel said to himself, you know what? I think that running around and having people throw, just throw their praise at me is the second best thing for me to do. I want to do something that people throw their praise toward God. And Joel cho chose ministry, and that's when he ended up coming here. Like just a few months later, he, he became, our, became one of our, uh, our children's pastor and middle school pastor and was here for 12 years. And now what happened was is because he was willing to make a sacrifice of, of something that was a good thing and choose the best thing, I think that God honored that and continued to put him in positions where he was able to, to, to serve and to draw people toward Jesus. I'm, I'm very biased, but I think that Joel is one of the best Christians that I know. He's just good. He loves people. He encourages people. He loves well. He ministers well. He just is a good Christian because he was willing to make sacrifices of good things in order to do the best thing, and God honored it. He just honored it. So we have to ask ourselves, there's so many good things that we can do, but if we do too many good things, then we don't get the opportunity to do the best thing. And one of the best things you're ever going to do in, as a teenager is learn where your gifts are and serve in those areas. One of the greatest things you'll ever learn to do as a teenager is learn what your gifts are, and serve in those areas. And the only way to do that is to give yourself an opportunity to serve and to try things. So tonight, I want to remind you, I showed you this last week, but I want to talk you through, I want to take the next five minutes and just talk this through a little bit because I want to make sure you understand what this is. So what we've done, Pastor Amber and some of her team and myself, <clears throat> mostly them, have put together just this right here. If you'll pull this out, I'd love for all of you to look at this. What we believe is this. We believe that there are four keys, there are four important components to becoming a follower of Jesus. Now, look, there's dozens of them, but I want to give you the four big ones. We'll give you the four big ones. If you're doing these four things, you are following Jesus and growing like Jesus. Got it? If you're doing these four things, you are following Jesus and growing to become like Jesus. The first one we just call encountering God, and that means you're going to church and you're, and you're praying in, in your own private time. You're doing your devotions in prayer. So if you're doing your devotions in prayer and you're going to church. The second thing is if you're, if you're having connections with other Christians and having God conversations, we call that connect with others. 
The third one is if you're serving in ministry. And the fourth one is if you're sharing your story. If you're telling people about how Jesus has changed you. If you're doing those four things, you are growing. It's that simple. You might not feel it every day. It might not, you might not, you might look back over the last, you know, six months of your life and go, God, I think think I'm worse at being a Christian than I was six months ago. It's not true. You are growing. So one of those is serving. So what I'm about to show you here is one of the four most important things that you can do as a young person. So here's what it says. It basically says we want to help you to discover what your gifts are so that you can serve. So there's a three-part, there's a three-part, three-step process right here. The first one is this. Take a spiritual gifts assessment. Okay, you're like, what in the dog is that? It's kind of like a test, except this test, anybody, how many of you have ever taken a personality test before? Have y'all done that in school sometimes, maybe a little bit? And it tells you a lot about yourself. Anybody ever taken a personality test and you went, oh, okay, that's why I act the way that I do. Have y'all done that before? I remember taking many personality tests and just going, oh, no wonder I'm such a, and then fill in the blank, right? So, so what a spiritual gifts test is, is we believe as Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit has put gifts inside of you that he wants to utilize to serve and that when you use your gifts to serve, you are most fulfilled, When you try to serve outside of the way that you are gifted, it's like taking a square peg and putting it in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. So if you've ever served before and you served for an extended period of time and the whole time you went, oh, I don't love this, you probably weren't using your gifts. Most likely weren't you using your gifts. Or maybe you were sick. It's basically the two options. You just were like throwing up. All right. So, so take the spiritual gifts test, and what's going to happen is, is this is going to show you a few things that God has put on the inside of you that will help you to discover what your, what your best serving opportunities are. The second thing is, is view your results. So if you do it on your phone, you can do it. You do a little, um, it tells you exactly how to do it right here. It'll show you there are 15 gifts that we have identified that are inside of uh, teenagers. It'll show you the top. It'll show you them in order. It'll be like, you're really good at this. And in this, we haven't really seen that in your life so far. So what you want to do then is view your results. And then thirdly, you want to look at the back right here. And you want to see right now, just today, this will change every six months or so. But today we have four serving opportunities. And you want to see what the gifts that show up. And then look right here at the top. There are three, four, three, four, even five different opportunity, uh, different gifts to match the serving opportunities. So you want to look at your top five gifts and see if one or two of them match any of these four um, serving opportunities. It's that simple. Does that make sense? I never do this, but does anybody have any questions? Yes, Pastor Amber. You shouldn't have too many questions because you designed this. <clears throat> okay. So that's it. So tonight, here's what I want to do. I want to encourage you. If you want to be a Christian, it means you live like Jesus. To live like Jesus is to serve. To live like Jesus is to serve. And so if you're not in a serving opportunity right now, either inside of our church or outside of our church, if you're not serving right now, then I want to encourage you, now is, now is the best time. There is no better time. Now is the best time. So I want to pray for you tonight, a couple different things. The first thing is this. If you'll just close your eyes, I just want to ask a couple quick questions. First one is this. 
There are a couple, there are a handful of you in this room that say, Pastor Jeremy, I have prayed the prayer, but I am not a Christian. I do not follow Jesus with my life. And I want to do that. With nobody looking around, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand. You say, Pastor Jeremy, I've prayed the prayer. Or maybe you hadn't even prayed the prayer, but it's time for you to make that decision. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? Good. Pastor Jeremy, I prayed the prayer, but my life does not look like Jesus, and I want to give him my whole life. Anybody else? The second thing is this. You would say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm kind of nervous about serving, but if that's what Jesus wants me to do, I want to take the next step. Pray for me that I discover where it makes the most sense for me to serve. Anybody in this room that would lift your hand and say that? I'm ready to take the next step and to serve. Good, I see you. Anybody else? Great. If you'll stand with me tonight, uh, I'm going to ask our leaders to come forward. There's a handful of you that lifted your hands, but there's also some of you in this room that just need to pray about some stuff that's going on in your life. That's what this group is for. So anybody in this room, you say, I just got some stuff to pray about. I want to invite you to the front. Daniel's going to turn on some music, and I'm going to pray for you and dismiss. If you would like to come up and pray with any of our leaders up here, that's, that's why they give up their Wednesdays. Almost every person in this room works or goes to school on Wednesdays and then comes here to be able to be with you and to pray with you. And it is a, it is a, it is their, it is what they have discovered is their gift. And they're really good at it. So tonight I want to give you that opportunity. As I begin to pray, if you want to come up and pray with these guys, I'd love for you to. Jesus, I'm so grateful that I get an opportunity to work with young people. And so are these small group leaders. Some nights we feel it greater than the others, and tonight I am, I am especially grateful. Tonight will you give them each the courage to come and to talk and to pray and to just spend some time with you, with their leaders. Amen. Hey, love you guys. If you want to.